folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is the program every week where we talk about issues and events, but specifically through the lens of the four pillars of the International Green Party movement, peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. This week, we're doing open lines, which means if you're watching us live on Facebook, just write in with your question or comment, and executive producer Michael O'Neill will capture those, and we can engage any conversation that you want. I've got a whole handful of things that I want to make sure that we do talk about, uh, and that is I want to talk about this family separation at the border. I want to uh, talk about Sherry Honkala and her arrest and what that means. I want to invite you to the Green Party's annual national meeting in Salt Lake in July, and I want to talk about the not much reported but horrific proposal of two Democratic Party senators to introduce a bill to prevent the removal of U.S. troops from South Korea and what that actually represents. So those are just some of the things on my mind. But if you've got anything on your mind, just write in with a comment uh, and we can talk about it. And of course, a reminder to those of you who are listening on a podcast, uh, this is a pre-recorded show, but we welcome you onto this program. And remember that all you have to do is uh, follow us on live stream every Monday 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern for a live program. And for everyone, please make sure to sign up at a greenwayforward.org where we send weekly reminders about this show and about who our guests uh, are going to be. So I want to just jump right in to the absolute horrific crisis that's happening on the Texas-Mexico border. Uh, and that is something that the Trump administration is doing that is literally child abuse. It is psychological uh, terror. And that is separating small children uh, from, from families uh, who have been detained. Now, uh, let's be explicit here. Uh, Donald Trump has changed an aspect of U.S. immigration policy in ways that nobody, uh, I think, thought was possible. So Donald Trump's attempt to blame this on the Democrats or blame this on immigration policy is a fundamental lie. This is a change in policy that has never happened before. What we're talking about is two-year-olds, four-year-olds, uh, children, six. I mean, literally, toddlers and children are being separated from their parents uh, and being forced into new places. This is, uh, when I say it's tantamount to child abuse, uh, I cannot, uh, I can't under, I, I can't, I don't have the proper words to describe how horrific this is. I cannot fully express to you how disgusted I am. Uh, and the, the, the idea that the U.S. is, quote, better than this is also something I cannot say, because I think that this policy is simply a continuation of the combination of white supremacy, U.S. imperialism, and the fundamental corporatization uh, of the detention centers and immigration policy and uh, criminal justice policy. So as horrific as I find the, uh, the policy of separating those children, I also can't separate the fact 
that the U.S. foreign policy uh, is actually forcing this. You see, I know what I hope you know, and that is the entire issue of immigration writ large is being driven because of U.S. foreign policy and domestic policy, specifically the North American Free Trade Agreement that has been devastating the Mexican economy and the U.S. economy and the Canadian economy for workers. And so many people are desperate leaving uh, Central America and Mexico uh, because of these sorts of policies. So I can't separate those two, even as I want to shine a light uh, on the horror of separating children. Uh, remember that uh, Obama, although he did not separate uh, children at the border, he most certainly separated uh, families as the deporter in chief. So I do want to just, uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to talk about the fact that the, U, the U.S. Green Party uh, has a call to welcome uh, undocumented people into this country. Uh, I'm proud of that policy. I actually believe ultimately that we should be thinking about uh, how we can uh, remove those borders. I mean, why is it possible for money and goods and services and products to travel e easily across the borders, but human beings can't? And I want to remind you, folks, those border lines are imaginary lines on the map, right? Uh, you know, not only do goods and services cross them, not only is money allowed to cross it, but you know what? The birds cross it and fish cross them. Uh, at the end of the day, I am a globalist. I believe in act in humanity, and I act, I want to find and celebrate the diversity and cultural diversity across ethnicities. But this whole notion of a nation state is pretty disgusting to me. Uh, and I also want to thank uh, those of you who are already starting to write in. Mark writes in to say it is child abuse sanctioned by the Jeff Sessions ministry. You know, Mark, you're right about that. And I appreciate you actually bringing in Jeff Sessions uh, uh, because there are some uh, 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 sort of liberal-leaning folks who are looking to Jeff Sessions uh, uh uh, in, in positive ways, and I am certainly not one of them. I, In fact, I think that this entire administration is a kind of proto-fascist administration that was enabled and created by the neoliberal party uh, of the Democratic National Committee and the neoliberalism associated with both Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and the continued rightward drift uh, that the Democratic Party represent. Make no mistake about it, that the neo-fascism that we're starting to see and experience now is simply the continuation of what the neoliberal policies were and are. Uh, Ward writes in to say, given that we're not going to get a supermajority in the Senate to force Trump to change this policy, to say nothing of whether or not a bill can even pass the House, what's left? Pressing for Republican representatives to do anything is almost certainly a waste of time. Ward, I completely agree with you. Uh, that that th we are not going to get anything out of either the current Senate or the current Congress in terms of legislation. I'll tell you what's left, direct action. Uh, the, the reality is that virtually every single one of us uh, li that, that lives in the United States of America lives within an hour's drive of an ICE detention center. What would it look like if there was a call for massive protests and rallies at every ICE 
our detention center in the country. What would it look like if we actually started to use social media instead of ranting about this to actually organize ourselves and to self-organize, frankly, the way we saw response to Trump's initial uh, uh, travel ban policy. So it is my hope that uh, others will join with me in some creative thinking uh, about how we can engage in protests and demonstrations, ultimately how we can uh, imagine what uh, nonviolent civil disobedience uh, looks like. Because I am reminded of uh, Mario Savaggio, who famously said there comes a point at some point where the machine and the workings of the machine is so odious, so repressive to the spirit that the only thing we can do is put our bodies on the line to stop the machine from operating, to gum up the gears. And friends, without a doubt for me, what I have been witnessing, and if you have not yet heard the audio of children crying for their parents, I challenge you to listen to that and then think about what is it that you can do? Because all of us can do something. All of us uh, can do something. We can give money to one of the organizations that are trying to mount a legal defense. Uh, we can do protests and demonstration. We can write letters to the editor because for me, I can't tolerate this. This is too much. And for all of us, there'll be something that is finally too much. You know, honestly, uh, it's just as the, the Trump administration and what he represents has been a continuous assault. There's no doubt about it. But for me, separating children from, from their mothers and fathers, uh, this is, this, this is beyond the pale. Uh, Glenn writes in to say, please say something about those seeking asylum, which has never been uh, illegal. Thank you for that, Glenn, because that's a very important point. You notice that when I was talking about this, I was just talking about the, the notion of uh, detainees, right? Many of these people are, are literally coming to seek asylum, uh, which is actually not only not illegal, it is something that this country has a policy very specifically about. And rather than uh, go through the normal process, what we have is a Trump administration uh, literally uh, trying to change a policy to intentionally create trauma and terror in those who are attempting to come into the United States. Some are coming as economic refugees. Some are coming seeking political asylum. Certainly those in Central America have a, a demonstrated ability, many of them, uh, that they qualify as asylum seekers. And rather than go through the process uh, what we see the, this administration doing uh, is beyond shameful. And as horrific as that is, folks, I feel obliged to remind myself and every single one of us that Barack Obama was also involved in the same basic idea because between 2009 and 2015, the Obama administration removed more than 2.5 million people through immigration orders, which doesn't include uh, the people who were turned away or not returned uh, to their home country. According to every analysis that I have seen, Barack Obama deported more people than any other president in U.S. history. In fact, Barack Obama deported more than the sum total of every president who preceded him.
So Barack Obama was and is and should go down in history as the deporter in chief. Uh, President George Bush's administration deported just over 2 million during his entire time in office. And Obama's numbers that I just said did not even include uh, the, uh, the entire amount. So when I tell you that uh, this is a continuation, yes, it's a, it's, 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 it's a worsening of it. And do not uh, fall for Donald Trump's lie that this is something that the Democrats did. No, the idea of separating uh, children at the border, whether they are seeking political asylum or they are economic refugees, uh, that separation, that's new. But what we should not lose sight of is the reality that Barack Obama and the Obama administration deported more people from this country than the combined total of all deportations from every president that preceded him. Now, uh, so I don't know what to do with that other than to say, there's a reason I'm agreeing, my friends. You see, I'm a Green Party member because I know from cold calculated analysis that the leadership of the Democratic Party and the leadership of the Republican Party are actually in agreement on the basic premise of U.S. empire, the basic premise of white supremacy, and the basic premise of a capitalist economic system and a neoliberal war world order. That's the reason that I have not only joined the Green Party, but run for president as a Green, manage Jill Stein's presidential campaign, and do everything I can in the electoral process to advance truly independent politics. Because I know what you know. Most people, whether they consider themselves a Democrat or Republican, know that the current system is terrible. They know that the current system is not working for them. And we have been trained and taught to believe that this two-party system is all that we can have. And this, this lesser evilism has just led us to least worse and worse than, and it's a continuing process. And unless and until ordinary people are willing not just to quit voting for the two-party system, because by the way, half of Americans who were eligible to vote did not vote in the last election. So people are already turned off and are not participating. That's not enough. It is absolutely critical that we begin the process of building our own institutions. That means our own economic institutions like worker-owned cooperatives and community-supported agriculture programs and other ways where we meet our needs. But it also means we have to build new electoral processes, new political institutions. Uh, I have invested my time in the Green Party. I'm active at, at my local level. I serve as the candidates and campaigns uh, working group coordinator for the Green Party of California. I am a believer uh, in the Green Party. I'm, I serve on the National Committee of the Green Party. So in every way, my electoral focus is on the Green Party. And I say we've got to go beyond elections. This is back to Ward's uh, comment. We have got to understand that merely voting is not enough, but we have to, if we don't have the courage to vote for our principles and values on election day, then all the other stuff is not enough either. So I like to say voting and, or we have to go beyond voting, which means yes, vote, but even go beyond it. 
Uh, Lokia writes in to say, the separation of children happened to the Native Americans, and they still suffer from this on a subconscious level. Absolutely, Lokia. And thank you for saying that, the shameful history of how uh, Natives and the indigenous people here were subject to genocide uh, and, the, and the separation there, the enslavement of Africans who were brought in chains and forced to build this country and those families separated. So when people say, oh, this is not what America is about, I actually say, I'm sorry, friends, that's actually not true. This is just the continuation of the shameful history that uh, we have seen in the United States of America. Again, the interconnectedness between empire, white supremacy, and the corporatization of our country. And so if you are both angered by that reality and inspired to create a new alternative party, then I'm going to ask you to go to the website www.gp.org. stands for Green Party, of course, but it's just gp.org. And sign up, get involved in your local and state party. And if you are capable of doing so, come with me to the Salt Lake to Salt Lake City, Utah, where we'll be part of the uh, annual national meeting of the Green Party. Join Jill Stein, Ajamu Baraka, myself, and a host of others. Uh, uh, the Utah Green Party is pulling out all the stops to welcome us and. Executive producer Michael O'Neill has promised me that he'll drop into the comment section uh, the link where you can learn more about it. So I also want to make sure that we have a quick conversation about Sherry Honkala. And Sherry Honkala, uh, if you, I'm sure that uh, and hope that you know and remember, Sherry Honkala is a longtime champion for peace and justice uh, and and. Uh, she was Jill Stein's vice presidential candidate in 2012. She is the uh, founder of the Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign. And she was part of uh, the mass uh, march from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. as part of the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, and what happened was while she was in D.C., she met, she went to force a conversation uh, with folks at the at, uh, Housing and Urban Development because she wanted to ask uh, Ben Carson specifically to justify the policies uh, that they uh, that are actually forcing uh, people out. You know, uh, Sherry is not just a longtime activist and vice presidential nominee for the Green Party. Uh, she is actually a single mother. Uh, she has been on the front lines of housing occupations. Uh, she has spent her entire life uh, uh, fighting for and on behalf of and as an organizer of poor people. One of the things that uh, Sherry helped me to really understand is that when we're talking about uh, issues of poverty, poor people have got to organize themselves and speak for themselves. Nothing without nothing about us without us is one of the things that the Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign uh, talks about. And what I really want to underscore is just how shameful it was that uh, Sherry Honkala was and the entire group went in to try uh, to have a meeting and that the security at the Department of Homeland uh, at the Department of Homeland Security and Housing and Urban Development uh, split them up. Uh, and basically lied to them, uh, telling Sherry that they were going to actually allow her to come in, to, to come in but they actually stopped uh, and arrested her. 
They forced her into police cars with activists and others yelling to try to figure out from the Department of Homeland Security where she was going to go and where she was going to be. Uh, uh, and now she is out, but I do want to uh, uh, let you know that uh, we appreciate Sherry Honkala for her courage and her conviction. And if you are in any way, shape, or form able uh, to help out, go to the Poor People's Economic Human, uh, Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign or pperk.org. That's P-P-E-H-R-C uh, dot O-R-G. Uh, and you can continue to find out more information uh, about what is happening with Sherry. But the last I heard, Sherry, is, is, we know Sherry is out. Uh, she and most of her crew have gotten back to Philadelphia, but there are several people who had come from Florida as part of this march uh, who are still needing to get home. So, you know, again, I'll just use this opportunity to say thank you, Sherry Honkala, uh, for your courage, uh, your, your persistence, your unrelenting uh, willingness to put your own body on the line in every way to speak out against uh, these policies. But, you know, friends, I also have to say this notion of speak truth to power, that's not working for anymore. Because you know what? Power doesn't care. Power isn't listening. And I think that there are far too many uh, leftists and folks on the left or radicals or or, or how are progressives or however you say it, who have simply perfected the art of the critique. And critiquing is important. It's critical. I do it all the time. But what I know is it's not enough. We've actually got to ramp up our game the same way that the abolitionists did, the women's suffrage activists, the trade union activists, the civil rights activists. We need a legal strategy. We need a direct action strategy. And we need an electoral strategy, and we need to create new institutions that actually meet our needs while we're doing all of these things. Again, I believe the Green Party is the electoral arm of these growing movements. But right now, I challenge you, if you are listening to these words, if you are watching me live, if you are not actively engaged in doing at least one of those four things, then you are not doing your part. And I want to make sure that we shift gears for just a moment and have a quick conversation about the fact uh, that uh, as horrific as Donald Trump's policies are, and they are, they are, he did in fact have a meeting uh, uh, in North Korea where, to try to end the longest war in U.S. history. Because remember, friends, that we in the United States of America are currently still at war with North Korea. Let that sink in a moment. And uh, so the, for all of his other faults, the idea of just having a conversation with the leader of North Korea cannot be a bad thing. Uh, so I can't even really wrap my head around the news that I've just learned uh, that uh, we had two Democratic senators, Chris Murphy from Connecticut and Tammy Duckworth from Illinois, have literally introduced legislation that would prevent the removal of American troops from the Korean Peninsula. And uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the idea uh, that two Democrats would be so committed to their own partisan uh, position uh, that they would introduce legislation that would force a president to stay to keep troops 
on the Korean Peninsula uh, to continue to keep us at that level of escalated hostility is beyond me. Uh, it prevents Donald Trump from withdrawing troops from South uh, Korea unless the Secretary of Defense uh, uh, can affirm that it would not, quote, undermine the security of allies in the region. And, you know, friends, I just want you to think about what that actually represents. What that represents is a, an, a, a, an acknowledgement that the, the leadership of the Democratic Party uh, would rather keep tensions at this level than to even allow the Trump administration to engage in negotiation that might, in fact, de-escalate uh, that situation. So the, this, this notion that the, the Democratic Party is uh, the party of peace is absolutely outrageous. It's important to remember uh, that the Democratic Party leadership, not individual members of the Democratic Party, but the leadership of the Democratic Party is absolutely committed to the multi-billion dollar foreign defense budget. They are the de leadership of the Democratic Party, from the Democratic National Committee to the virtually every one of the members of Congress uh, on down, are absolutely committed to the concept of U.S. empire. The, the idea that at some level, uh, we could somehow make a change uh, and that if there were just, quote, more uh, Democrats uh, in, the, uh, in Congress, that this would change is just not true. And Michael O'Neill has just shared with me that Rachel Maddow is saying that this was all Putin's plan, which is just another example of the fact that Rachel Maddow has become simply a mouthpiece for the Democratic National Committee. I don't know, Michael, if you're in a position to weigh in on this because I had not actually heard about this and I would love for you to update our listeners a little bit about Rachel Maddow's uh, comments uh, uh, around uh, uh, Putin's, quote, involvement uh, with Trump's visit to North Korea. Are you able to do that? Full credit to the Jimmy Dore podcast um, and, uh, you know, YouTube clips. They, I, I heard this through Jimmy Dore's show and yeah, Rachel had a, a rant on her program about how North Korea shares an 11-mile border with Russia. And it has been Putin's desire for so long to push out any competition in the region. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, the, the Russia baiting, everything comes back to Russia. It's, I mean, it must be working for them on some level because Rachel Maddow is now the top rated newscaster or news reader or rant speaker on cable news. And they're just going to keep flogging that horse until it dies, I guess. I think that's right. And I, I, look, it works on some level the same way Fox News works on some level. Make no mistake about it. Uh, MSNBC is the slightly left as left as you can be anyway, or the, 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 the corporatist version of a little bit left, just as Fox News is the corporate version of a little bit right. Uh, they are desperate to find some distinctions these days, and it, it seems like uh, flogging the Russia, Russia, Russia story uh, is working for the MSNBC reader-listener. I can tell you, uh, I actually just put out a, a piece on Rachel Maddow uh, just an observation about how much money she makes 
uh, and whether or not and and who her employer is as a corporatist. Uh, and it sent many of the liberals apoplectic. But what was interesting, uh, Michael and listeners and viewers, for me was how much play that got even on social media. In other words, yes, the the typical uh, you know uh, correct the record uh, Democratic Party sycophants uh, were whining and gnashing their teeth. But what I saw was a lot of people, at least in my circles. Uh, who were actually discounting and turning away. So one of the things that I know is that the ability to have critical uh, analysis and conversation and being willing to say that both the leadership of the Democratic and the Republican Party are both terrible. And to be willing to say that for me, I do recognize that there is a distinction, that there is a difference between Democrats and Republicans. But friends, here's the point. Yes, there's a difference. But it's not enough of a difference. At the end of the day, what we have is a corporatist militarist uh, policy uh, and and two-party system that is literally destroying the planet. We are creating a racist, sexist, and class-oppressive society with the plunder of Mother Earth. Uh, And if we do not interrupt this machine, it is going to literally uh, destroy the, the system itself is going to destroy Mother Earth. So that's the reason I'm a green, not out of idealism or naivete, but cold calculated analysis about what it's going to take to actually right this ship. And I don't believe that we can actually get to the world of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology unless we go about the hard work, brick by brick, step by step of building our own institution. And that, my friends, is what the Green Party is about. I just want to say thank you uh, to executive producer Michael O'Neill for making this program happen and for his insight uh, about uh, Putin, Rachel Maddow, at all. But most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer, listener. Uh, Thank you so much. Please share this. Remember, our audience is growing. Uh, Michael and I are always so pleased to see that literally thousands of people are watching and or listening to these podcasts. Remember to go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, sign up so you can stay abreast. It is our hope that we'll be bringing you uh, uh, a show on the climate crisis next week. Uh, Stay tuned for that. So if you're subscribed to A Green Way Forward, we'll be sending out an email about our next show. In the meantime, I say keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Peace. A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.